like most people, I went with the same bank that my parents got their mortgage at, that they were at for their entire life, and that I had a savings account with since I was... Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills? Or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larvey. Welcome back to another episode, and I hope you are having a great day. I'm Sarah Larby, and today's guest is Colton Lukey, who is a 28-year-old real estate investor and world traveler. And we have a great conversation about how he started out. And he started out back in 2016 at the age of 24. We talk about discipline, frugality, how he was holding three jobs at a time to accumulate enough for the down payments. And uh, his initial properties and initial strategies were bungalow conversions. But today he's also doing a lot of joint ventures, some international land development stuff, which is pretty cool. And we talk about team, uh, having a good team of experts in place and who you would need. So I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. And if you haven't left, please leave a rating and a review. That would be amazing. Thanks for tuning in again this week and see you next week. Let's bring in Colton. Colton, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Sarah. Thank you very much for having me. I'm doing well. Yourself? Good, good. I'm happy to have you on. So tell us, uh, you know, 30,000 foot view, you know, who you are and, uh, and give us uh, a little bit of, of what your real estate portfolio consists of today. Sure thing. So uh, I'm a 28-year-old real estate investor uh, in the Niagara region. Uh, I started back in 2016. Uh, since then, I've acquired, I sold a couple, but um, acquired 15 total units uh, consisting of seven uh, buildings. And then recently, I've also scaled out to buy a couple international plots of land with uh, some investment partners. Uh, and yeah, still working a full-time job and then also traveling the world as much as I can to see new places. Very cool. And just out of curiosity, where did you buy the land? So the land is in Belize. Very nice. All right. Yeah. <laughs> place, the place that you'd, you'd likely want to, you know, visit quite a few times a year. That's the plan. Yeah. Maybe put a couple uh, properties on there and then just zip out whenever I can. Awesome. So let's take a step back. So you've got 15 units over not a very long time. So you've scaled pretty quickly. How did you get started originally in, uh, in buying your first deal or even just in wanting to invest in real estate? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I've always been interested in investing. Uh, since I was a young age, I had my first stock account at 16 that my father helped me open. But uh, real estate really piqued my interest around the age of 18, 19, when I was talking to a professor. And he said, you know, if you want to buy a house, the smart thing to do is buy a house where you can also put a basement apartment in and rent it out so the tenants can pay your mortgage and whatever else. And I was like, oh, that's, that's really... Uh, that's really something. I think you're onto something here. And uh, within a short period of time, uh, working multiple jobs, saving up money, I was able to purchase my first property in 2016. Uh, it was a 1970s bungalow in Welland, Ontario. And a lot of sweat equity went into that one to put a basement apartment in. Uh, lived in the basement apartment for two years, rented out the upstairs. So I was living for free. Um, and then refinanced that money and was able to take that money and put into something else with a friend of mine. And then we just kind of kept repeating the process. And 
since then, I've done a couple more acquisitions with the joint ventures. I've been silent partners and I've also acquired a few more on my own. Very cool. I, uh, I like Welland's potential and, and willingness to work with investors as well. It's great. So especially for, for conversions. Yes, it's definitely one of the easiest cities, in my opinion, in my experience to work with. Absolutely. So, so you've only been doing this for four years and, and you've scaled really quickly. You know, what are some of the, the key things that you think helped you get to where you are today so quickly? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the main things is discipline, uh, really focusing on the goal, which for me is to eventually get to financial freedom. So I don't have to work the nine to five until I'm 65, the traditional route. Um, so I stayed laser focused. I was extremely frugal. Um, I saved every penny I possibly could, but I didn't just save it. I also invested it to try and make four or five or 6% with dividend stocks or, or just high interest savings accounts and working. Honestly, at one point I had three jobs and I was just banking every single penny I could. And I would just use that towards the next down payment. And then as soon as you get that first one, and you learn about real estate and you learn about how equity works and refinance works, it becomes a lot easier. And then you just take that money out and you just keep repeating it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it, it sounds a lot like how in, in the beginning we got started too. And we, you know, I had two jobs. I cashed out my vacation as commission so that I can utilize that, that money to, to buy. And then, you know, ironically, and I don't know if it was the same thing for you, but we were first going to the bank to get these properties before working with a mortgage broker and the bank is not going to be like, Oh, well, why don't you just like refinance this one and use the equity for your next one? They don't help you with planning. So I don't know what your, you know, what you found and how your journey started, but you know, did you go directly to the bank? Did you work with a mortgage broker to start? Yeah, of course. That's a really good point. Like most people, I went with the same bank that my parents got their mortgage at that they were at for their entire life. And that I had a savings account with since I was 12 years old. Uh, and I just thought that was the way, right? Hey, it's a bank. Mm -hmm. They do everything the same, just like every other bank. It wasn't until about my third deal when I started working with an actual mortgage uh, broker. And that's when things really begin to scale because he was uh, a real estate investor himself. And he knew the ins and outs. He knew how everything worked. He knew what my goal was. So his goal was to get me to my financial freedom goal as soon as possible. Uh, and that is a great uh, tip is don't necessarily just go with the bank you've been with your entire life. Definitely build a relationship with a mortgage broker because the biggest difference is they have access to hundreds of lenders with hundreds of different rules and criteria where let's say a BMO has one set of rules, one set of criteria. So uh, that's definitely a great tip. Thank you for bringing that up. And they work for you too, right? You're not going to get somebody that's essentially working for the bank trying to sell you like mortgage insurance because they make a commission off of that and that kind of stuff, right? So, you know, there's, I'm, I'm, I'm a big proponent of like, just don't bother going to the bank yourself and, you know, work with a mortgage broker, build that relationship, have them work for you and, and help you scale in order not to hit the financing wall before you need to. So, so, so obviously you've got, you know, the 15 doors, you've got some by on your own and some with joint ventures. Why did you decide to, to go the joint venture route at that point? Uh, it's perfect segue for this because I was working with that one bank and they said, you can only afford to buy this amount of worth of house, not being an extremely high earner. I had no chance of buying a house. So I decided to 
uh, partner with my real estate agent, who is also a good friend of mine, who is also an investor. Uh, and we purchased a property together and it just gave me, you know, it was a simple 50-50 uh, joint ventureship, 50-50 down payments, renovation costs, everything like that. Um, so I was kind of forced into doing it, uh, which necessarily isn't a bad thing because I learned very early the importance of partnerships uh, and how you can use joint ventureships to scale your portfolio even faster. When I originally got started, it was, okay, I can buy maybe four or five, six on my own, being young and naive. But you quickly realize that, okay, well, it's a lot easier to have multiple partners, not necessarily multiple partners, but one or two or three that you really just work with and focus on. But now I realize that if I would have worked with a mortgage broker, I probably could have gotten another three or four on my own. But nonetheless, it's in hindsight, I still own these properties. Uh, we're still cash flowing really well and they're appreciating in value. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, I just want to take a moment and interrupt the podcast to introduce you to my mortgage broker, Dahlia Barsoom, and her team at Streetwise Mortgages. Because everything around us is changing, the world as we know it is not going to be the same. COVID-19, the economic crisis is a time of uncertainty for many of us. And the lending and real estate landscape, they're changing quite rapidly day by day. Today's financing and investment decisions are going to be different than the ones that we made yesterday. Dahlia and her team are going to be able to help us maneuver through all of this. They're property investors themselves, so they've worked with thousands of real estate investors across Ontario, and they have their pulse and their finger on what's happening around us in real time from a real estate financing and investments point of view. Her team of advisors are committed to helping us keep informed and get that up-to-date information. And they're also going to be able to help us navigate through this crisis to also mitigate and minimize any financial distress during this whole transition, and also help us emerge out of this in a strong financial position so that we can leverage ourselves for some great opportunities that are going to be coming to us. They've been able to help many investors in times like this by really planning out your plan for the good, but also for the bad, because these circumstances that are happening are going to be very individual for all of us. And they're going to help navigate three key parts financial stability, financial agility, and opportunity, and help you manage through those three things. When it comes to stability, how can you enhance your reserves and your liquidity to weather the storm? You're gonna have a different plan, so it's important to get that individualized plan. How can you utilize mortgage payment deferrals? Should you, should you not, why or why not? Any debt restructuring opportunities, those are all things that Dahlia and her team can help you work with. Now, when it comes to financial agility, there's some things that you might want to talk about are how do you make some improvements to your monthly budget so that you can increase your cash flow? Are there any financing tools that you can use to cover some short-term cash flow deficits? When it comes to opportunity, there's going to be some great opportunity that's going to come out of this. How can you set yourself up? for success. So her and her team are going to be able to help you maneuver through these things and create a plan, not only for the good times, but also in times like this, so that you can handle the storm and come out ahead. Feel free to reach out to Dahlia and her team at info at streetwisemortgages.com or go to her website, streetwisemortgages.com. And now back to the show. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's pros and cons, right? To, to scaling with JVs or to scaling without JVs. Cause you know, yes, you can maybe scale a little bit faster regardless, you know, whether you're, you, you would have gotten the mortgage broker route or not. But the other downside is now you're splitting all the profits. You're splitting, you've, you've got some exit strategy at some point, right? Chances are you're not going to have that property with the same JV for 20 years. I mean, maybe, but chances are something will happen at some point and somebody will need to sell or somebody will want to, you know, liquidate or, or something along those lines. So, you know, just keep that in mind. And, you know, listeners, when, when you're working with a joint venture partner, just ensure that you're on the same page and that there's some type of exit strategy at some point you you will want to you know utilize that to you know move on to the next deal yeah absolutely and that's one thing for your listeners is always have a clause in there where like my joint ventures and i it's this is the clause for the next five years right so five years we're holding this property indefinitely we're cash flowing we're refinancing it we're getting all our money out in five years we'll revisit depending if the markets appreciate crazy like it has maybe we'll sell it and take some gain off and take some capital back or we might just refinance a little bit more in the future and hang on to it so kind of having a shotgun clause with your joint ventures uh, is extremely important and make sure like you said you're always on the same page regardless of who it is family or not be on the same page have it in writing yeah absolutely great insight so what about the property management standpoint like how did you guys divide that with the jvs and and or even your own if it's any different yeah, so kind of how we do it, um, most of my JVs are with duplexes. So I'll get one tenant and he'll get the other tenant. Oh, it's kind of, really like a 50-50 split. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, if because uh, one thing I mentioned earlier is I like to, I travel a lot. Uh, my fiance and I, we travel six, seven weeks out of the year. Um, so, and so do some of my joint venture partners. So when that's the case, it's just figuring out what works best, right? Hey, I'm going to be gone for three weeks. Do you mind? holding this property, do you mind taking all the calls, whatever? Yeah, no problem, because he knows that I'll do the same for him. So that's kind of how we did it. Um, and it, it, it works, right? It, it's, each get one tenant, reach sharing the responsibilities. It's, it, we found that that's the best way to do it, and it's worked. Okay, well, like you said, it, as long as it's working and everyone's on the same page and continues to be on the same page, right? Yeah, and again, these are, it really depends how you structure your joint ventureships too, right? Like these are straight 50-50, so we split everything. Mm -hmm. If you're 100% money partner, chances are you're taking 100% of the responsibility, right? So if someone's giving you 100 grand to invest, they don't want the headaches of tenants. So you're taking on that full responsibility. So again, it all depends with what the agreement really is. Yeah, absolutely. And, and sometimes you might just decide to hire a property manager, right? When your, your portfolio gets big enough, or maybe just, you know, it makes sense to do it from the start. I mean, I, personally, I, I manage my own and it sounds like you're managing your own, but now do you, do you work your cash flow numbers knowing that at one point you may decide to hire a property manager out when you're running your numbers? Yeah. So I always factor in about a 10% property management fee in there. And then the 10% that's since I do property manage everything myself now, I just keep kind of keep that tucked away for a uh, emergency fund, right? Repairs and stuff like that, just be safe. But yeah, when I do, I calculate everything, repairs, vacancy, property management costs, stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. That's, that sounds good. So, you know, in terms of next steps for you and, and your goals, I mean, you're still working full time. Like, have you planned out, I mean, you know, just a roadmap to how many more units you have or how much, you know, more you need to do or time-wise in order to be able to get to your goals? Do you, do you have an idea of what that looks like? Yeah. So I always said that by the age of 30, I would like to 
be able to retire, quote unquote retire. I could do that now. And pre-COVID, I was seriously considering it. But then when I got the work from home order, that really changed things because I'm able to get everything I can done at home, but I'm also able to focus on my business a little bit more. Uh, and it's made things a lot easier. And since COVID, I've been able to acquire two more properties and a couple of land purchases internationally. Uh, so I'm kind of on the fence. I would still like to keep working until the bank says, you know what, we can't give you any more mortgages. Yeah. Then to me, the job doesn't seem needed as much, right? Because I'm already technically financial free on a number standpoint, but in terms of getting mortgages, I would like to get a couple more personally in my name. So I'm going to try and stretch it out for at least another year to year or two and see what happens. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey guys, I just want to take a quick moment here and pause the podcast to introduce you to one of my favorite contractors, John from Blackjack Contracting Inc. And he has been serving the Niagara, Hamilton and Brantford areas for the past three years and has become the area's legal basement suite renovation specialist. He works with many investors that I know and some newer investors, some more experienced investors, and he converts single family homes into multiple units, as well as my favorite strategy, the Burr strategy. So he's well-versed in those as well to make sure that we can achieve the maximum value of the property and the maximum ARV. He has also completed over 100 units from Brantford to Niagara Falls, and everywhere in between as well. They do everything from permitting to the design to the final cleaning before listing our rentals for rent or for sale. And he's also a fully licensed electrical contractor. He's certified with ESA and he will take jobs of all sizes. So no job is too big. He's done a complete guts really from the ground up. So super impressed with his work and what he's been doing for fellow investors that I know as well. So if you wanted to reach out, his website is blackjack contractinginc.ca and you can ask him whatever questions you have. You can also reach out to him Instagram, which is at blackjackcontractinginc. And like he says, he knows that investing feels like the biggest gamble of our lives. So when you have blackjack on your side, the house always wins. I will also add that there is currently a ban as of April 4th on new permits. So he will still actively work to the law's extent and actively work with investors to get projects planned out for when the ban is lifted. So that way you're not necessarily waiting and waiting and waiting. So guys, 100%, I recommend blackjack contracting. I will say that finding the right contractor is sometimes a hassle and getting a good one that works with investors that understands the numbers is going to be critical in our success, especially when doing the Burr strategy. And now back to the show. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I just left and AK retired from my job October 1st. Congrats. And, uh, thank you. And that was the biggest thing, right? It was figuring out the financing piece and getting what I needed to refi before I made the leap and just acquiring that, you know, last property that I, I could. And so it doesn't mean I'm going to stop buying. It just now means that I'm either going to be focusing more on those joint ventures or going into the, you know, commercial residential. So five or more units, which, or, or mixed use or whatnot. So there's always, there's always the ability to keep scaling. Um, you know, the, the property type may change a little bit and it sounds like you're doing the Burr strategy as well, which is by far my favorite. It allows you to recycle the money and, and keep doing it. Do you recommend, so what do you recommend for, you know, somebody that might just be starting out like in terms of, 
you know, guiding them to either a strategy. I mean, I know it depends on a lot of people, but like, what's your take on it? Yeah. So if their goal was similar to mine in terms of trying to get financial freedom as soon as possible. So really building strong cash flow, And then if you don't come from a lot of money, you need that refinance money to happen. Most people that are starting out are not probably going to have 20% down. So you're probably going to go to traditional five or 10%. So when you buy your first property, you really have to get the best deal possible because you're dependent on getting that refinance money out. And if you're only putting 5% down, chances are you're probably going to be waiting a couple of years to be able to refinance because there's going to be enough equity. Now, of course, it all depends with what happens because we've seen 30% appreciation per year in Niagara in the last three years. So, but the goal is honestly try and find the best property possible. And what I'm starting to do more and more is look for off market. If there's an area that you want to buy in, become an expert in that area, become an expert in that neighborhood. I literally door knock neighbors. So like I'll go around and Hey, I'm Colton. I'm a local investor. I'm looking to buy your property. Regardless if it's for sale or not, here's my number. If you know anybody, I'll give you a thousand bucks. And what you're doing is you're building a presence in that neighborhood. And very quickly, you're going to find out that John and Sally are getting divorced and they're going to need to sell their home. Or, you know, this person's dad or mother passed away, unfortunately, they're going to need to sell their home. And you can be a solution to those people's problems, right? They need to sell the house. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on. Last thing they want to worry about is a whole bunch of people going through their house. You can find out who they are, go leave a card or go knock on their door. And you could potentially get a property for a good deal. Uh, so one piece of advice is go out of your comfort zone and start door knocking and start talking with individuals and build up a presence in a neighborhood that you like. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's great advice for sure. So how many of your, of your properties did you get off market doing that strategy? So I just started doing this strategy, but um, the one that I recently purchased uh, was on market and it wasn't, it was on market for a very long time. They were going to take it off. Um, and I ended up door knocking and I got the deal and it was sitting on the MLS. Cool. Right. And uh, tons of people passed it up for whatever reason. Uh, and I just, I guess got lucky, but awesome. I'm building, what I'm doing now is I do have a list of well, three or four properties where people are potentially interested in selling. So what I do is every month I'll follow up with those people. Right. And sooner or later, one of them should bite. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, th- I think it's just like a sales funnel, right? You've, you've got to cultivate it and they may not be ready to go right away, but you know, enough touches at some point you'll, you'll be on top of their mind for when they're ready to go. For sure. And I'm sure just like you're in your area, you probably see we buy houses signs everywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people aren't going to call those because they think it's a scam or whoever it is. But if you build a relationship, especially in a couple of neighborhoods, and you become known, it's more of likely that you're going to be able to get a property rather than just a sign in the ground. And it goes back to owning in on a, an area right? And just being a market expert in that area. Because, you know, if you didn't, so what, I guess it's in Wallen that you are, but, you know, if you didn't know Wallen really well, like you wouldn't even know if someone's like, yeah, I want to sell it for like 350, but you know, it's worth like 320 or, or maybe it's worth 380. So like you have no, you know, you have to have a good pulse on, on that market as well. Because if you're just door knocking to door knock, 
and you don't have a good idea of like what the actual value of that property is, you may think you have a great deal and you may have over overbought as well. Right. And that's why the importance of a team is extremely important, right? Like having a good investor focused realtor, um, regardless if you buy the property on the MLS off them or not, they should be willing to help yeah. you. So um, you can easily get that information from a good realtor. They'll be able to sell, tell you exactly how much properties have sold for in what areas. Um, and that's something I get like, reports that every couple months just to see, right? Well, well, houses are now going for an extra 40 grand more in that neighborhood, right? So you, you just know, but again, it comes down to the team and a, and a good realtor. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm a big believer in that. I'm a big believer in, in building your team as well. Who are some of the key team members you think every investor should have? Uh, number one, you got to have a really good real estate agent that's investor focused, not just the one that mom and dad use, investor focused, 100%, because you want to get to where they are eventually if they have multiple properties. Number two, mortgage broker. You got to have an experienced mortgage broker that specializes in rental properties. So they know the ins and outs, they know which banks to use. And then three, I would say a network of like-minded individuals. So it can be a mentor, it could just be a couple of people you've met through uh, local meetups. Um, being around like-minded individuals really opens up your mindset and really shows you how quickly, or that you can get tips on how quickly to build a portfolio um, and that's one thing I want to say is thank you for having the right club because I met so many like-minded individuals there. And when I started going to the right club, I was able to get so much more knowledge, uh, from, and, and in, learn ins and outs from like-minded individuals. And I grew my portfolio by four properties in a year. That's right. Awesome. And mm -hmm. that was just attending two or three right clubs. Um, and I met people in Niagara and we ended up starting our own kind of once a month meetup. Cool. Um, so thank you for that. I want to tell you that because if you guys are, once we get back to normal yeah. and uh, <laughs> the right club is back in session in terms of face-to-face, hundred percent, everyone needs to attend it because it was a great, great uh, seminar. Thanks. We're, we're still doing our online free webinars as well. I know it's not the same than being in person, of course, because you can't, you know, network the same way, but. We're still, we're still providing knowledge That's <laughs> even right. despite of everything. Yeah. Make sure you guys check it out, all your listeners. Awesome. So I want to go back for a second and, and go into just your, your, um, your JV stuff um, and the template and, you know, how somebody even goes and gets that done. Um, how did you create your, your joint venture agreements? Um, was it, you know, you and, and your partner figuring it out, writing it down? Did you borrow a, a one from the lawyers? Like, how did that all, all go about? Yeah, so the first one, uh, like I said, was with my real estate agent, friends, uh, and investor. Uh, so we kind of just wrote everything out. Uh, this is how it's going to work. Five-year hold, 50-50 split on everything. And just kind of made a one simple page list of it. Um, as I evolved and found another joint venture partner, that's when I then paid for a joint venture agreement. Um, and it's, you know, eight or 10 pages, something like that, uh, just to be more thorough, mm -hmm. um, to protect both sides. It's not just protecting yourself, but it's also uh, protecting the joint venture partner. Um, and it's honestly, it's a lot more, uh, I feel a lot more safe having a legal binding agreement uh, done up by a professional. 
because uh, all your bases are covered. Like I said, regardless of who it is, if it's mom, dad, brother, sister, uncle, have a legal binding agreement because you never know what can happen. Uh, anything could happen. You want to make sure that you're protected as well as your joint venture. Um, so definitely spend the money, right? It might not cost that much. Honestly, I think I'd pay less than a thousand bucks for my joint mm -hmm. venture agreement. Uh, and it's worth it. And I can just keep using the same thing over and over and over again. All I do is change the property address and change the name. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. They'll give you a template, you know, Carson law. So Ryan Carson has a good one as well. And he's a, a lawyer that's uh, investor friendly and works predominantly with investors from the right club. Um, so he's got a great one. I don't know where you got yours, yours from as well, but you know, definitely a good lawyer will have that handy for you. So, you know, in terms of, you mentioned the right club, it's awesome that you come, but it just, in terms of like, you know, where, where you get your education from, where you get your knowledge from, like, what are some of the things that you've been doing, you know, aside from actually, you know, the brick and mortar investing to, you know, keep yourself sharp? Yeah, for sure. So when I first got started, I was big into bigger pockets. Um, also, I read a ton of books. Uh, that's definitely something that I, that changed my mindset was, um, dedicating time to reading, but not just reading anything, reading business-minded books, or rather it's real estate or it's just how to start a business or whatever it is. Um, really educating yourself and kind of, I guess, getting obsessed about what your goal is. So if your goal is real estate, you know, read real estate investing books, read how to market, read how to sales, because all those things help you when you become a real estate investor. Uh, and then nowadays, uh, I still watch a ton of YouTube. I still read a ton, but I also do a lot more uh, I try to meet with individuals, rather it's through Zoom like this um, or scheduling, hey, let's go for lunch and just getting out there, meeting new people, uh, meeting people that are at another level that I am, right? So I, I'm not sure if you know, you know them, but Sean Rea is a friend of mine. He's also in Niagara region. He's way up there. And I talk a lot with him because eventually I want to get to that level, right? So reading, listening to podcasts like yours, watching YouTube, and then again, networking, getting out there, meeting new people is definitely something that's helped me a ton. That's awesome. Now, when you first got into real estate, I mean, I know you, you said you had a, somebody that, that gave you that idea and, and, and started talking to you about it, but what did your, your friends and your family think about you, you know, starting to invest in real estate and then scaling to, to 15 doors and so quickly, you know, what was your experience like? Yeah, they definitely, most of them thought I was crazy. Uh, being 22, I think I was, and buying my first house, and people were like, oh, what happens if the crashes, or what happens, you know, you're going to have tenants, and they're going to trash your place, and the typical stuff you hear, but with no risk, there's no reward, in my opinion, right? Um, and to this day, I still have family members that think I'm crazy, that think, oh, you got so much debt. It's like, yeah, but the Cash flow is paying for all the mortgages. Uh, they're appreciating in value. And even if I was to take, if the market for whatever was to dip 30% or 40%, I'm still okay, right? Like I'm not underwater. So um, you're definitely gonna face that for you uh, aspiring real estate investors. If you just got one property, you're gonna get a lot of people calling you crazy. Um, and just look past it. Honestly, it's, they are just saying that because they're not happy where they are. Um, and I'm a believer of that is, is people are, that are usually negative are because they're, they're, they're unhappy, right? They know that they're stuck in a job for the next 40 years. Um, they have very limited savings. 
and don't let that get to, don't let that get you down. And it's funny now, it's just kind of now where I'm starting to, as my YouTube's getting bigger and people are starting to see how I, I document my journey and how I talk about real estate, that those friends and those family members are starting to come around now. Like, oh, I wish I would have listened to you back in 2016 and, and all right. that stuff. So it's funny how it comes full circle, um, but you're going to get a lot of a neg negative when you're first starting out, but it's, it, you feed off that. Yeah. And the other thing too, I mean, it could be people that, that want your best in trust and they're just worried because of, you know, things that they've heard, but you know, like ultimately if they're not where you want to be and they're not living the lifestyle that you want to be living, then, you know, say thanks for the advice and keep doing your, your thing. Right. Which is exactly what you've done and how you've scaled. And, and that's, uh, you know, it's just awesome to see your, your journey. And you mentioned YouTube and, uh, you know, you're, you're providing some content out there. Can you tell us more? Yeah, for sure. So, um, free listeners, it's just my name, Colton Luthi. Uh, and I started it about a year and three months ago, uh, strictly just educational, right? I was, um, people were messaging me saying, hey, how can you afford to travel so much, right? Like, what did you do? You still work nine to five. So uh, that kind of gave me the idea that maybe I'll start educating people um, on what I do. Uh, because a lot of people think it's, it's impossible or, you know, they can't do it. Or you got to come from money to invest in real estate. So that was my main goal was to start a YouTube channel that was just purely educational um, to show people that if an average guy like myself who doesn't come from money is not a very high earner can scale properties and, and build wealth through real estate, then pretty much anybody can. As long as I think if you live in North America, you have the greatest opportunity right in front of you. And it's honestly, it's given me so much reward. The, the feedback I'm getting is insane. I love it. Uh, people are telling me that, you know, I just bought my first property two months ago, thanks to you. And I'm about to refinance it and get my second one. And that's honestly all I did this for was mm -hmm. just to show people that, Hey, if I can do it, you can do it. It's not as hard as any, as everyone says, it's actually kind of easy once you get your first one or two. Uh, and that, that's all it was. It was just education and and it was is amazing that people are actually getting feedback and we just hit 700 subscribers which was nice. i never thought 700 people would be interested in what i say but uh yeah it's growing and it's uh people seem to like it so i'm gonna keep doing it congrats i mean it is awesome to see canadian content i think that's how we originally connected i was like watching one of the videos and i'm like i've got to have this guy on my podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it was my uh burr your way to retirement video yeah yeah. yeah. So for your listeners, that's the buy, renovate, rent, refinance, repeats. My uh, strategy is the yes, best. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And that's, that's how most of us are able to scale our portfolios. Yeah. You got to be able to reutilize your money, pull it back out and do something, you know, keep investing it. Otherwise uh, it's going to be stuck in there. I mean, again, there's different strategies for different people, but in order to, to really scale and, and do this a little bit faster, you're going to have to reuse the, the money as much as possible. So, I mean, it's really exciting. Like you're, you know, you're, you're scaling, you've got 15 doors, you know, there's a lot of listeners out there too, that might have like five or six and like, how do I get to the next one? Like, do you have any, any tips or insights for them on like how to really like move past that handful of properties into the next stage? Yeah. So again, I guess if you're, if the issue is that you're not able to find deals, cause I think that's an issue that a lot of people are having right now. Um, then try and look for uh, outside your market, right? It's possible that you might have to go an hour or two away. Uh, if you've been, if you've acquired three, four or five on your own, 
And let's say I know people who have done that and they haven't used the Burr strategy and they got three or $400,000 sitting in equity, pull that darn money out because you're going to pay 2% on it and you're going to be able to reinvest it and make 20 or 30%. And it's tax deductible. And it's all tax deductible. Right. So um, that is something if you got a lot of equity sitting around, put it to work because it's just dead money. It's not doing anything. It's making you poorer in my opinion, because you're just losing value in terms of inflation to the dollar. Uh, and then the other thing would be if, because you hit a financing wall, experiment with a joint venture. You, chances are if you have a couple of properties, you know a couple of people who are also in real estate and they might be facing the same problem you are. Uh, or you might have a friend that wants to buy his first rental and maybe that first rental is his first property or her first property. Experiment with joint ventures. A lot of people get scared away from joint ventures because of whatever reason, it could be risky, you know, it could be disagreements. But that's how you're really going to scale if you hit that financing wall. Uh, so I would say those are probably the three best tips I could say would be to do those. Uh, and then you'll see, you'll be able to scale it from three to four or five, six and on. That's awesome. Do you find that like, you know, you're so you're, it sounds like you're really passionate about real estate and helping people and helping people also create wealth. Um, how is your full-time employer taking your passion? Yeah. So I made that very clear upon when I got hired that uh, you should expect five good years out of me. Um, and then, but my goal is to be done by the time I'm 30. Uh, so that was a conversation that was had on day one. And they still know that that's what the plan is. Uh, and I'm doing my best to stay there for the full five years and keep my end of the bargain up. Now, do you, do you influence any of your colleagues into buying any real estate? Yeah, definitely. So um, one of my coworkers, she just, uh, she had a property, she rented it out, and now she just refinanced it. So she's able to pull out a ton of money. Uh, and she just did that last month and she's looking for her next deal, her and her husband. So uh, definitely I have piqued uh, a couple of people's interests. And then other ones, not so much, but uh, you can only help who wants to be helped, right? Yeah, absolutely. My, uh, my, when I was employed before October 1st, that's, that was my last day, my work boss and my team, they were so amazing and they were like so supportive. Um, my boss actually ended up getting into real estate and I think he has like eight of his own properties wow. that he acquired in the last like two and a half years as well. And, you know, it's just, it's just incredible to be able to like, you know, infect others with like that mindset in the sense, right. That like ability to like see a bigger picture that you don't have to wait 30 years <laughs> or whatever that time you don't have to be 60 or 65 by the time you can actually leave, you know? So it, I, I think having a, a support and it sounds like you do too, having a supportive work environment and, uh, and people that support that as well and, and trust you because they trusted me the same, not to take the two and, and mix them together, right? Like, you know, nine to five is a nine to five. That's what, you know, what you get hired and paid for. And then afterwards you, you find time to do your other things. But, you know, like I think having a good supportive work environment where you're not miserable going into work, you don't have that, all that stress is really helpful um, as much as possible to, as you're scaling. Absolutely. Yeah. No, you, you nailed it. I couldn't say it better myself. It's, extremely important. And one thing I did want to note is I hope that 
the current events that we're facing in 2020 with the pandemic, I really hope that it's opened a lot of people's eyes uh, in terms of you shouldn't just rely on your pension uh, and you shouldn't just rely on one job. Uh, and I think um, some people in my work really realize that now because I have gotten some private messages from those coworkers saying, what do we think about this? What do you think about that? Right. And they're just kind of starting to pique their interest in real estate. Um, so that is the biggest thing is that how I always said it was, I always had the question, you know, why do you invest in real estate? Right. Or from coworkers. And my answer was always because this job's not guaranteed as much as you think it's guaranteed. It's not. Mm -hmm. And 5 million Canadians found that out very quickly. Right. We had, I think it was about 5 million Canadians unemployed in a short matter of time. So if you're listeners out there, um, if you're just hesitant about getting in real estate, regardless if it's real estate or not, find second and third sources of income because uh, nothing's guaranteed. Your job's not guaranteed. Your pension's not guaranteed. So build up multiple streams of income. And honestly, real estate, I'm sure Sarah can um, relate to this, is probably the easiest uh, and fastest way to build up multiple streams of income and financial freedom. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the way I picked as well, right? I was looking at like, because when you look and like, I see how you can create wealth, there's so many, there's many options, but it, it just, real estate just made the most amount of sense. And I'm like, a business is a like a whole lot of hours. Real estate, you know, it's not that bad. Like you're learning and you're, you're, you know, doing a, a few things in the beginning in terms of getting your you know, all your education that you need to, to be able to take, you know, action on that first one. And then you're learning throughout, but in terms of time and value, real estate is by far the best and control Absolutely. and control. <laughs> Controlled and for most part stable, right. Yeah. And the best returns, cause you can invest in the stock market, but you don't get the tax write-offs and after inflation, you might make 7%. So for real estate, you're making easily 15, 20, 25% or not more. Technically, when you do a burr, uh, you're, you could have an infinity rate of return. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Trying to explain that to some people is a little bit challenging, but um, like a free yeah. house, when's your time with it? Not always, but sometimes. Yeah. Or even if you just have, you know, if you own a house for $15,000 and you're still making $800 yeah. a month, it's like, what? Is it's that possible? No brainer. Yeah. So. Awesome. You know, it was, it was great talking to you that the next part of the podcast, we're going to do a lightning round. So I'm going to ask you a series of five questions. You're going to give me the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. This week's lightning round is brought to you by complete properties. If you need a great property manager to help you in the Niagara, Hamilton and Burlington markets, reach out to Margaret Cameron at 905-920-7886. She can also be reached at Margaret at complete pminc.com via email or the website completepropertiesinc.com. All right. Question number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book ever? Rich Dad, Poor Dad. All right. Question number two, sounds like you're a podcast listener. What is your favorite podcast? I do listen to yours quite a bit. Uh, recently, I've listened to Andrew Hines, Bigger Pockets, kind of all three. I listen to all of them. <laughs> All right, cool. Number three, what do you do for fun aside from real estate? Travel the world and hang out with friends. Three cool places that you've traveled. Go. Colombia, Peru, Japan. Nice. <laughs> You're like right <laughs> on the lightning round. Holy. Like snappy <laughs> answers. That's good. Number four, if you lost all of your money, all your assets tomorrow, how would you start again? Real estate. Real okay. estate investing. I would 
suck it up, get out there, start grinding, get a job, get financing, and just start the process all over again. All right. Awesome. And last question. If somebody has $50,000 and they want to get started, how would you recommend they spend that money? If you're a first time home buyer, get a property where you can house hack. You can live in one unit, rent out the other and live for free, refinance that money and you'll be, able, you'll be in your second property in no time. All right. Very cool. Colton, where can the listeners reach out and find out more about you? Absolutely. So you can find me on YouTube at Colton Lukey. And you can also find me on Instagram at Investor Travel Couple. Awesome. And last final words of advice for my listeners. Get out there, make offers and take action. You'll get zero properties if you make zero offers. Awesome. So thanks so much for being on the show. It was great having you on and thanks for all the insights. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Have yourself a good day. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons and at the time they all seemed very valid, but as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that work. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step -step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.